0: You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Fatherlessness show. I'm the host, Sean Tice. I'm excited to have a friend of mine with us today, Dr. Kenny Baldwin. Dr. Kenny Baldwin has just been an incredible um, encouragement to me for multiple years. I remember the first time I heard of um, Dr. Baldwin was whenever I was a teenager going to a gospel light youth conference, um, years ago, I think it was in the wake forest, um, their basketball stadium, you were in there and you were preaching. I don't know how old you were at that time, but you were preaching there and, and that's the first time I ever heard of you. And so it's been a multiple years. It's probably, that's probably 20, 23, 20, 20, to 23 years ago. And so how, how old were you then anyways?
1: You know, I was I was right around maybe 23, 24, uh, 22, 21, 22. And uh, i meet people all the time that I met back at that Wake Forest Coliseum or at gospel. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. It's amazing how many people were there at those youth conferences. That, that was the youth conference model for America was gospel-like.
0: Yeah, I love that youth conference. And so I got to hear you preach there. You've been preaching for, for years, would you tell us about your ministry, both with your church and also your your evangelistic type preaching that you do?
1: Sure. I've had the wonderful privilege of growing up in a pastor's home, and I was a youth pastor for my dad for many years. And then in 2011, I assumed the role as senior pastor. And so going into now the 12th year of pastoring, and we are three miles south of the Pentagon, right near the nation's capital. We're in northern Virginia. I have a wonderful opportunity to be in a very diverse area. So God has allowed me to pastor the church with a wonderful family standing beside me. My dad, who started our church in 1981, he and mom are still in the church. I serve with my brother, my sister, and a wonderful group of people who have been in our church, many of them for many years, and many of them just joining this year. And then over the years, God gave me a burden and opportunities to preach abroad. I started doing that when I was 16 years old. And I can't tell you how it happened. God just started opening doors. And to be honest with you, Brother Sean, we talk about gospel. A lot of it seemed to springboard from that meeting because there were so many churches there. And I ended up preaching at that meeting. And then churches were, oh, we've heard you here. How about coming here? And it's humbling to think about it because sometimes I get young guys and say, tell me how to get my name out there. I said, I can't tell you because I've just never tried to get out there. God just opened doors. And I'm still humbled and amazed that God. Let's me do it. And truth be told, it is through that ministry of traveling abroad and through the burden that God gave me here in our own local community that my heart for fatherlessness and for young men without a father really started burning years and years ago as a 16-year-old teenager.
0: That, and that's wonderful. And, and <clears throat> I just, yeah, I appreciate what you have uh, done with with your ministry, with being a pastor, and also going around speaking, and you know, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on was to talk about more about your background with fatherlessness. I have a, a young man that texts me almost every Sunday morning, uh, named Deontay, and Deontay is one of your sons in the faith. I mean, he's 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 your son. Um, tell us more about your your experience with those men that you've helped raise up. Well, Deontay is a good one
1: good example to use, you know, he's, he's a young man that grew up without a dad. I think the only time he met his father, uh, his dad propositioned him to smoke weed with him. He doesn't, wouldn't know what his father looks like, has no relationship at all, raised by his mother and his grandmother and um, stepfather who stepped in and was involved throughout that time, but just really no purpose. And, Deontay happens to be one of them that was in our area for several others that ended up coming to live with us. My sons, I met them on the road preaching and I wasn't looking for them. I just it was like it was it's weird. It's like God put a circle around them. I remember at times it would be 1300 kids and God just like circled at once that he needs something. And how God would take them from Louisville or from Indianapolis or from wherever and get them here. They get in our home is is only God. Deonte was was just right in the area and ended up moving in with family who was coming to our church. And I just saw him and started reaching out to him and ended up setting up a meeting with him. And he unveiled his heart and said what was going on. I led him to the Lord, and then I just God just put a heart uh, for him inside of me that was already there for many years. When I was sixteen, I went into our community and. A bunch of young guys didn't have dads, and I, I just took my car. I took a, I took a five seater and put seven in, and I took a six seater and put nine in, and put a seven seater and put ten in and it. You know, it's just filling it up. I just, you know, I'd take them to McDonald's afterwards. I invite them to church. I got the church involved. We, we on Sunday afternoons to get them to come back on Sunday nights. They'd stay over in the afternoon. I'd let them bring their PlayStation downstairs in the basement. They played on the wall. My secretary would cook. Dinner for them in the afternoon. Her husband would cut their hair. Other church members would give so that they could, you know, go to youth conferences, like gospel light, like we just talked about. And I just, I had a heart. My wife talked about. My wife and I said, well, maybe one day we're going to start a boys' home, or you know, we we taught we always wanted to, and little by little we just started doing what we could, you know, getting a storage room yeah. in our house, making it in the bedroom, and and so when Deontay came in, he was just he was just right in line with what God had done in our hearts. And we didn't plan on him moving in. He just, little by little, he just gravitated to me. And I gravitated to him and he moved, moved in. And I watched God turn his heart around. And I remember going to Pensacola one summer and we were down there for youth teen extreme camp. And I said, you come with me. You know, he started traveling with me. I found out the best way to get these fatherless young men to grow is to let them be with you. You, they can't reproduce something they've never seen. So I said, you yeah. hang around me and watch what I do. Paul said to Timothy, you've known my doctrine, my ministry, my persecutions, my life. So I took him with me. Well, he, he had played, uh, played ball and wanted to play ball in college. And, and one thought he was going to be a criminal justice major. And we go down there, Pensacola in the summer and they're not even in school, but there's a guy that's an assistant coach. And he says, well, I'll work out with you. And, he, he sets up a workout with him and Deontay likes it. And I, you know, this is June and I'm thinking, you know what, maybe you ought to come here to school. And by August, he's riding down the road to PCC mm-hmm. He goes to college. And we, uh, me and my wife, we, we put him through college. And, and while he's down in college, he comes home for the summer and comes to a youth conference and God calls him to preach. And he goes back, changes his major from criminal justice to pastoral theology. And he, he, you know, he trained on that, met his, met a girlfriend down there who was a missionary's kid from Mexico. My wife's name is Bethany. He met a girl whose name was Bethany and they dated in college and he graduated from college and I got a chance to marry them. And now they're here, they're working for us. As a matter of fact, his wife is in the other room and their son, our little grandbaby Emiliano is in in the house. I start to, I said, I start to bring him in the room but he might wake up and cry during the middle of the meeting. But I'm, I'm talking about this is how deep our connection. It, this is not a, you know, a little charity case for a month that we give a little money and see. I mean, yeah. when when he talks about family, his dad, his family, we're it. You know, this is this is and and to to stand in the gap to think that God could divinely appoint this. And now this is not just a guy who turned out to be a decent citizen. He went from lost, purposeless, clueless to saved. In Bible college, graduated from Bible college, serving on staff, married, now a father himself. And he is getting to do with his child what he never experienced as a child himself. Only God
0: can do that. That's that's so awesome. I I love that. Same type of thing for me. I have people in my life that are are like family. There's no blood relation, no marriage relation. But even the guy that's like my dad, he's he's my dad but he's not he's not my birth dad he's not my blood and stepfather nothing there but it's just we know he's my dad i'm his son that's and right that's yeah and it's an amazing thing and it's hard to explain to people um now there's pastors that are listening to this people that are listening to this saying how do i get involved now you tell about that but what are some things some practical things that you did um to develop that relationship but also to help kind of break down some of the bad habits and things that he may have brought into that situation
1: well look it's time it starts with time look when you're talking about ministering to fatherless young men you're not going to shortcut time it takes time you can't just you can't beat it out in one session train it out in one lesson you know it, it it takes time and there there were times over the over the years where we had to hit heads and I had to, you know, really lovingly say, no, this is not the the unaccustomed nature to correction from a male. All those things, you know, teaching about what 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 it is to look for in a young lady and and having building character, and time management and and being a gentleman and, and what it means to be accountable and weeding out laziness, all of those things, that took time. And so I would say to a pastor who's busy and like, you know, I can't, someone may be listening in today say, I can't bring someone into my home. I mean, everybody can't do that. I mean, it takes a wife who's willing to do that. You got younger children. I mean, for some people, it's not even wise to do that, you know? So it takes a supportive wife. It takes the room to do it. It takes the time. It takes the schedule. But whatever someone's going to have to do, it's going to take time. And I would say you start from where you are. You may not be able to take a young man to move him in your house. But you take him out to lunch once a week. Yeah, you can sit out with him and do one on one discipleship. You can take him golfing with you. You can take him fishing with you. You can you can let him take him to a preacher's meeting with you to go out of town, help you drive and meet exposure, you know teaching you can you can get other people in your church involved if you know this guy wants to be an athlete you get someone else who went to college for that this guy wants to be involved in law you know, get someone in the church who who does that this guy's looking for a job find an entrepreneur that can that can help him out this this guy wants to do this or that get other people involved in his life it to me is getting to know an individual finding out the need because they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And for me, the more I got to know, the more I started to grow, and the more I saw the need, the more I could adequately address the need. And what I couldn't do, at least I could identify it and find others who could. And I watched it work. It's not that I'm, I'm this great gifted individual. It's just that I sat down and, and gave time and listened, and here's a young man who needed, he needed a dad, and he, he, he needed a male figure, and in his case, that looked like him, the same color he was, so he could say that somebody looks like me, I can be that if I'll apply the biblical principles, and here he is today, a trophy of grace and a wonderful... Mm-hmm privilege that we have as parents to watch him and the church can see this really works. Now he's pouring himself in the young men and he can identify with them because he is where they are where he was at one time.
0: That's incredible. Now, going back to what something you said earlier, you said about um, when you were 16, God started working on you about fatherlessness. Can you explain that? How did that start? What did you see and what, what made that, had that spark? Well, I came
1: from a great relationship with my father. I mean, involved. I preached in competitions in Christian school. He was always there. I played basketball, he was always there. We I know what it is to sit around the table and eat as a family, to have family devotions, to to have discipline, to have rules, to have chores, to have all of this as a family to grow up in church. So then I I go to the church where it is in the neighborhood and there are activities going on at the church that I'm up there with my family and there's a rec center in the area of the community. And so I go over to the community center and everything I am, they're not. And everything I've learned, they don't do. And everything I'm not supposed to be doing, they are doing. And so I'm looking at these young men and they're 12, 13, 14, 11, you know, I'm 16 years older. And they're just clueless. And even though I wasn't terribly older than they were, I, they gravitated to my leadership in their life and looked to me as that type of a parent figure in their life. So, so I just, I just, you know, I start walking up. I'm playing basketball, and the game's over, and they're just, they're just gonna stand around and get into something, or, or end up going somewhere they shouldn't go, or smoking something they should. So, so I've got a car, I've got a car, and there are young men here who don't have a clue. So I just said, well, let's get in the car, and let's go to McDonald's. And I'm taking a McDonald's. Everybody loves me. Everybody's got to eat. So we we, we 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 love basketball. We got to eat. So I just took where we had things in common and used that as an opportunity to share Christ. Every single time, we not every single time we talked was it a biblical lesson. Yeah. But it was a lesson if all they were doing was doing what we normally do, but with me. We go out to eat at McDonald's. We're going to pray. We're getting this car, we're not gonna turn on the wrong kind of music. You're gonna come over to my house, you're gonna I'm going this is how you make a bed. This is how you fold up the blanket after you finish. This this is how you tip a waitress when you go. This is what you do when you go in a restaurant so that when you leave a track, they'll read it because you can. This is how you open the door at the mall if you see ladies walking up. This is this is how you tie a tie. This is this is how you iron, this is what you can wear. I got people in the church that'll help you buy a suit. This this you want to come church doesn't mean you have to. We didn't make them do that. But expose that this is what happens when I go travel and preach preach place. The, the pastor's taking us out to eat where I'm preaching. I'm talking in the car. Don't order a steak. Okay. Order chicken fingers. Order. Because this is how you respond to people's kindness when you're offered a meal. All these things. That were, This is how you greet them. This There's a man coming to shake your hand. Stand up. When you look him in the eye. So all of these were lessons that didn't require necessarily a 30 minute segment in a classroom. It was just living life and exposing them to what they had never seen. So that's where it started in the community. And all these guys just ended up being and they got so all of a sudden they start getting saved, and they start coming across those Baptist church. And I take them traveling with me, and they, some of them end up graduating, going to school somewhere. Some of them end up getting married and staying in the area. And when I got married, none of them were married, but they all were my groomsmen. And the, the 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 wedding was a big testimony of discipleship, and all these guys had never been to the wedding, and they're standing up, never seen a Christian wedding. So this was all teaching, and God was grooming my heart. And, Little did I know that years later, what started in the community with young men would end up being a cause of my life, in young men's lives who would end up being my very sons in my life. And it, it, it began really in a community in a rec center where I just started playing basketball with guys who didn't have
0: a purpose. You said you said something interesting <clears throat> earlier. You said that that because Deontay, he you looked like him. That he was able to relate to you. Now, speaking to you know, say there's a, a you know a white male pastor and they have a young black man that they're working with. Is there a way to break that cultural boundary? I mean, obviously you can invest in in them. Is there any advice on that that you give to any any pastors that are dealing with different um, you know cultures and stuff like that? Well, I, you
1: know, obviously a man is a man, so we keep there's some yeah. things that with man he needs to learn. But I, I think it's I think it's unfair for for us to walk into another culture and ignore that there are some differences and yeah. act like it doesn't matter. And bless God, it is the sin, it's not the skin. I mean, th- yeah, it is the sin. But but our culture does shape some of the things in our lives. Um, and there are some things that some of these guys are dealing with because of their culture that need to be identified. So I would say to a guy, look, you're a white guy, you're dealing with a black kid, vice versa. I don't say you can't do anything, do all you can. But you know, when it's time to get a haircut, don't take him to hair cuttery. Okay, <laughs> take him to a place where he, where someone knows how to cut his hair, so he yeah. doesn't look. He comes to the church and there hair's all messed up because you're taking him where you go, and not. And that's just a, a microcosm of what I'm explaining. At some point, this guy has to be exposed to somebody that looks like him that that is like that he can identify, and that's what Deontay said. He said, "I walked that church." And if I had come into a place and you were up there in that pulpit and you didn't look like me, I wouldn't have listened because I would have thought, yeah, you could do that, but I can't do that because I'm not like you. And so I was able to talk with him about areas as a black man to a young black man where he could identify with. And look, I've seen I've seen white pastors take in young black men, vice versa. So I'm I'm not here to to isolate or say I just. I just believe, and we can see in Scripture that commonality is what paves the way for effectiveness. And there is there is an effectiveness that I can have even when I walk in white, predominantly white churches, and there's a young black man there that they're they're working with, without even trying, instantly he gravitates, and I'm able to say some things to him that the pastor says, "Well, I can't say it like you say. I can't understand like." So I I think it's important for us to learn other people's culture and find out what's going on and and listen to people talk. Over the years, honestly, as much as God gave me to give fatherless young men, I've probably learned as much or more from them than they learned from me. And they taught me how to love. They taught me how to give. They taught me how to listen. They taught me how to learn other things that I wouldn't have learned elsewhere and all the classes i've taken and all of the studying i've done nothing has ever been as much of a learning experience as being with young men like that
0: and that's good and i, and I appreciate what you're saying because there are a lot of guys out there they're trying to you know trying to help people in their community they're just not sure how to and so if you sure. are a you know you're a different from different background different race you know you can work with them if they're from China and you're you know, oh, African-American, you're working. You know, there's all different things you can do. So just try to figure out ways that they, they can relate to that. For example, we have a um, a family in our church out here in Las Vegas that the grandparents are raising the grandkids and he's a young uh, little, little, little black boy. He's like six years old and he wants to be a preacher someday. And so he saw that we met Tony Evans at an event. His mom showed yeah. him on Facebook and he saw, he's like, He's like, do you meet Tony Evans? Because he wants to be a preacher someday. And so he looks up to Tony Evans, is because his mom, his grandma watches Tony Evans. And so just exposing him to that, even just even on TV, saying, That's "Hey, right. there's a man that it looks like you that you can you be with." Just to give an example there, and I appreciate what you said about the haircut too. You know, being sensitive to that, finding out their culture, finding out their you know what they need, their different needs, and trying to help them with that. Um, but. Then again just being a man too and teaching them about manly stuff you don't have to be you know the same same color same that's background true. right yeah so that, that that's great advice and so there there are ways to still do that ministry but be sensitive uh, to their background now going into the fatherlessness more have you seen now as you travel and speak or you um with your church what are some trends and things that you've seen with the issue of fatherlessness going on in your community uh happening in our country
1: I see uh, some hard, rough, bitter sometimes individuals, and to me, that a lot of that a lot of that comes from never really experiencing love from a man. And I say that in the purest sense of the word, because we know how much out there is immoral when we think about, you know, um, same-sex marriage and homosexuality, and but. But that these young men have never experienced what godly love is like coming from their father or a father figure, and so there's there's this there's this drive in them to be hardcore, to be rough, to be unemotional, um, to be standoff, to be tough guy, and chiseling through all of that is a difficult. And the antithesis of that is where we are seeing strong trends of homosexuality and and all of this. And and uh, this mindset of moving away from what traditional manhood is all about, that's happening. And in, in, I'm seeing that all over the place, not in our, just in our community, but all over America where I'm going. And then I'm also seeing really the cycle of guys who weren't properly fathered by their dads bringing children into this world and repeating some of the same thing. So yeah. I'm meeting these guys that are not, that they're not meeting the right person and getting married and having children the way God designs. They're they're getting into this. And and, and now, because now you've got this guy who doesn't know how to be a man, who does not be a father. Now he's got this girl that's pregnant and they're in two, two different homes and they're not getting along. And now he's not with the dad. So now this boy is growing up in this same situation. And now this guy is, He's reproducing what he couldn't stand. And so once again, if there's no model there for these young men to have something to look to, even if they don't like what they had to deal with, they end up repeating it because they don't know how to break the cycle. So somewhere we have to get in there and go, you didn't get it, but I'm going to give it to you so you can give it to your son. And so hopefully there's a a training and an exposure so that you know, first of all, you don't want to bring a child into the world the wrong way. You want to seek God's mate for you. You want to get married and do it the right way, so that you're not in a situation where now you're you, you're distant with the the child's mom, and you we've got separation, and we've got visiting rights, and we've got the stuffs going on in court, and we've got custody battles. So we're having a repetition, and what you said you wish you didn't have, now you're giving your child the same thing. And how can we break the cycle if we don't get to the root of it? So I'm seeing that. Everywhere I go, um, guys are looking for something and and people don't know what to do with them. And and now there are some of them are not in churches or they they were in churches and, and aren't anymore. And we've still got this lack of purpose and young men in the field with so much potential, but really don't have this exposure in their lives to be who God has intended them to be.
0: And now you speak at youth conferences. What about just if you see teenagers, what are you seeing amongst the teens that you go and speak to. Is there any any different things that are happening over the last decade or so that you've seen the way they they act or things that they do because of that lack of the father in so many homes?
1: Apathy. We see a a strong prevalence of apathy. Yeah. Entitlement that you owe me that's happening in this in this society of young people because they have grown up in such an advanced culture. So it's like you, you owe me. And we're also seeing um, the, this gender confusion. When I was a youth pastor, our struggle was music and peer pressure. Now the top two things are suicide and gender confusion. So this yeah. is, this, this is a lack of male leadership. So now even things like homosexuality is becoming trendy and it's becoming a, and it's becoming a badge even among people who claim to be Bible believers. Now, unfortunately, there's a whole wave of atheism that's happening yeah. in young men and women who used to be, you know, born again believers, at least by profession. And my, my position on that opinion on you know, that is oftentimes they get engaged in the wrong kind of lifestyles. And the most convenient decision to make is that there's no God because then I don't have to deal with any, guilt about what I'm practicing. And so now they're like, well, you know, truth be told, I already believe in a God. It's happening big. And then mental health issues, depression, uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, all kinds of uh, uh, trauma. This is all this is this is and and it's a lack of leadership that trickles down all the way. Now, all of these things that I talked about can happen where there are good dads present. And we know enough about scripture that this can happen. But I'm just simply saying that there—I see a lot of black in that area, and the results are just staggering.
0: Now I talked about you preaching, okay? So I want you to give us a uh, a little sermonette, Pastor Baldwin, okay? So talking about fatherlessness, you know, um, just, and this—I know this is on the spot too, but talking about fatherlessness, just give us something, just give us some. Something from the scriptures about this issue, talking to people that are maybe apathetic about the issue of fatherlessness, or, or claiming God as your heavenly father. But just just preach at us for a few minutes. We're, we, we're this is going faster than I wanted it to, but um, I think it's great information. But just just give us some information about from the Bible about fatherlessness.
1: Well, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, say, our father. In another place in the Gospels, he said, Abba, Father. It's a term of endearment. He talks about his father gave us his son. How shall he not freely give us all things? Hebrews says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth as a father doth his son. Solomon said in the Old Testament, my son, give me thine heart. We think about all of those passages together and we think about what a father does for a child. The term of endearment, that we address him to give us our daily bread, we, we address him to take care of us. He, he gave us his very best. We, we see the love of a father and we become like our father because we see in him what we want to become. And to me, that's the greatest example of what a fatherless young man needs, someone he can look up to and say. I see in you what I want to become. I know you're going to give me what I need. I can give you my heart because you've given me your heart. So I was like, give me your heart, son. And, and obviously he could he could ask his son for his heart because he had given his son his heart. At the end of Malachi, at the end of the Old Testament, when there's a curse talking about turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons And sons, we we find out even God's people, the mess they were in at the end of the Old Testament, because they were estranged from their father, from their God. And God says, Mm -hmm. I got to turn those hearts. And to me, in these last days, we need some men that will step up and say, I'm not only going to ask for those young men to give me their hearts. I'm going to give them my heart. Jesus Mm -hmm. is God's proof that as a father, he loved us. He didn't give us his half best. He didn't give us what he didn't want. He didn't give us the bottom of the, but he didn't give us his leftovers that he didn't want to eat. He gave his only son because he was a father that wanted to love some that he wanted to become his children. And to me, if I'm going to step into a society full of young men who are lost and headed to devil's hell. They don't need a cool, hip celebrity they can look up to. They don't need a rapper they can imitate. They don't need lingo that they can articulate. They don't they don't need bling that they can go out and look that they need somebody who'll say, I'll give you the best I I'll pour into you the way God has poured into me. And I'll tell you something. Every time I get around God, He makes me want to love Him more. I want to be a dad that loves the way God loves so that these young men get around me and I make them want to love me more. I make them want to love. God more. So who better, who better to learn how to be a good father from than the good, good father, the best father that's ever lived. And I love how you phrase it in your ministry, God is my dad. I mean, wait, listen, listen and, and, and Isaiah said, God said, I'll be a father to the fatherless. Uh, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will lift me up. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say to anybody, If you're missing that, let God be your father and let God bring a human earthly father into your life that he can fulfill that need. God can do it. You fall in love with Abba, Father, and that heavenly father will hook you up with everything else you need to become everything he wants you to be by his grace and
0: for his glory. Amen. and I'm So thankful for you and thankful for your ministry. I, and I've heard you preach before, you know, where you say, um, you know, don't, don't your?" to get the phrase but you say, you say get off Facebook and get your face in the book. So I know you're not on, I know you're not on social media much, but where can people find you, uh, find your sermons and things like that?
1: Well, look, our church is Crossroads Baptist Church. Our website is ourcrossroads.org. And then on Sermon Audio, uh, uh, there are a couple thousand messages on Sermon Audio that are there on YouTube, Facebook, Live, and uh, all of our folks now are, are doing their due diligence with social media since their yeah. pastor won't. So they're putting it out there and, and you can find it. I've heard you can Google my name and find messages where I've preached and I've actually had some, some of my family giving me a real loving push about podcasts and yeah. YouTube and Instagram all this that that and and, you know i'm always pushing back against things like this until they start getting spiritual with me and saying you can impact more people and then i get convicted i get convicted in my heart and i go oh lord if they start talking about impacting more people i I, it's hard for me to turn a deaf ear to that so i'm working on it i've had people that don't even know me walk up and say you need to do this so I, i believe that god is speaking to me about being more involved in a social media way to impact more people. My life at this stage, I told the church I'm on a mission. Loving God and loving people. Nothing else matters. I want every aspect of my life to fit into one of those two categories. So I'm I'm driven right now and I don't know any area where I'm driven any more than this area where you're driven and you have been a consistent voice in this area. You will not quit. You will not shut up. You will not go away. And I appreciate that because it's not hard to knock people off their soapbox, even though they really are sincere, but just rejection or people not getting what you're trying to say or not moving fast enough. You had every opportunity to say, you know what, it's just not going to go fast enough. And every time I talk to you, you're doing the same thing you were talking about years ago. I believe that. I believe God honors that. And I believe God's going to continue to spend your life in the pathway of people that will help you do what he's called you to do. You're a living testimony that God can break the cycle in a fatherless young man and do something great in his life. And I believe you're doing this because you know it can happen. And God is using you in bigger ways than I think you'll ever imagine.
0: Well, thank you for that. That's such an encouragement because there have been days where I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I
1: can imagine. I can imagine.
0: You've been such an encouragement to us for over the years and you've been behind us. And I, I just thank you for that. And thank you for the insights that you gave today. Uh, we have about a minute left. Is there anything you want to share that you're like, hey, I should have said this about fatherlessness. Is there anything at all that you want to catch up or, or want to add last words you want to say? Or
1: I just want to say, be yourself. You know, we're all driven and pressured. Yeah. To, we, we see these alluring personalities and sometimes we're willing to abandon than our individuality to try to keep up with someone else. God made you you. He's not expecting you to be anybody but you. Nobody can be you but you. Let God work through you. And you don't have to be the cool dad, the hip. He's like this, so I got to be like him. The world's like this. There's nothing that resonates with a young man more than authenticity and genuineness. Be you. If it's geeky, nerdy, offbeat, whatever, you just want someone to be real. And to me, that's that's gone a long way in my life, and I hope it will in others as well.
0: That's great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Baldwin. Thanks for being on with us today. Thank you. God bless you. To learn more about how you can get involved in fatherless family ministry, visit lifeactors.org where you can find some free resources. You can find our books that we have. You can find some, even the program that we have, to help you start a single mom ministry within your ministry or within your church. We can all work together to lead fatherless families to the Heavenly Father.